now we're recording, and yes, Mike, we are alive. So technically, this is live. Right now. This is as live as it gets. This is it. This is how live podcasts work. It almost feels like a recorded podcast. Well, people might be confused right now, because normally this podcast starts with a phone call. A ring, 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 ring. But here we are. Live from Gnome Countryside, in person, for the first time in months. Did we do it in person before? We've never podcasted in person, but we have met in person before. That is correct. So then this is the first time that we've podcasted in person. It's different. It's a different quality. It's not the first time I've podcasted in person, but there's a different quality to it. There's an absolutely different quality. So right. when I'm talking... What's fun for me is is that it's just a phone. I'm not in front of like a computer or anything like that. And when I get excited when I talk, I kind of scream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been brought to my attention from someone who who's witnessing this or is receiving it. Like it's not exactly like you know. I appreciate your enthusiasm, Mike, but why don't you just dial it back a little bit? <laughs> but when we do it on the phone. When we do this on the phone, I feel like I can fully like get that level of enthusiasm where I'm screaming into the phone and like I'm pointing and it, like I almost feel like a caricature of myself. Um, but now that we're face to face, and you're hearing yourself, and I'm hearing myself, like this is the strangest sort of thing to hear your your voice like this. It is completely changing the way I would normally do this. Like and it's all just happening spontaneously right now. Well. That's sort of the nature of the, the scene. I'm so glad to use that word spontaneous because that's what we're going to do tomorrow. All right. Let's go on a sort of spontaneous journey that will end with, uh, well, not end, but it, it'll be sort of punctuated by a conversation with a very, very interesting character, two very interesting characters that we have met today here within the greater Gnome countryside area in an undisclosed location in Pennsylvania. Uh, if you're curious about where that is, uh, there's an Airbnb link in the episode description of this podcast. And you can come to Gnome countryside yourself, but Tara and I have been here for the first time for uh, almost a full day now. What are your thoughts? I love it here. I love being in nature and I love seeing the cardinals outside and the Wissahickon Schultz. And the lightning bugs. And it's a stone. <laughs> it's oh, a shit. type of oh shit. What? <laughs> a stone, right? Wissahick. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. and schist. Like shit with an S. With two S's. So let's let's take a step back and let's describe 
your arrival. So you guys came from where, when? We came from Milford. Or no, we didn't, sorry. We're in Jersey. And what's the name of the town again? Morris Plains at Tiff's to see a comedy show. Uh, Sam Tripoli. And then we went to, came here from there and drove, um, we drove there. Obviously, we drove here at nighttime. And what time did you arrive around? <laughs> um, around two? midnight. Two. Yeah, midnight. Midnight, midnight, midnight. midnight. So, you guys, you came. You were you're in Jersey. You're in Jersey, and then you had to drive through the night. And it was it was all sorts of things. Was it raining during the drive? Yeah, it rained a lot. Is and refresh my memory because I I always get this kind of confused. When you're driving on the highway at night and it's raining and it's new and you're tired, is that an enjoyable thing or is that like not enjoyable? Nerve-wracking. Well, he was driving. I was Can you relax? Falling asleep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. But Mar- Mark relax. Mark told us and I, I, I did know the answer, Mark. I did know that that can be nerve-wracking. Yeah. So you guys, though, you go through but, this experience yeah. and then you arrive here. And I was waiting up for you, right? Like, I'm usually, like, 12 o'clock is a little bit past my bedtime. Mm. And thank you for staying up. And so I stayed up, and I was sleeping in the truck. It was the first time I've ever spoke, slept in the truck. Mm, that's right. And you were kind enough to let us sleep in your bed. I slept in the truck the entire night. Like, right. that, I've, ne- I've never been that person. Like, prior to that, <laughs> I've never had, like, oh, yeah, I've slept in Surprises the... Surprises me. Why does that surprise you? Because you seem like someone who would enjoy sleeping in a truck. Well, th- that's the thing which is so exciting about this is because there's once a point in time like like someone would be like, wow, you don't strike me as someone who would enjoy sleeping in the truck. But a demarcation, a line in the sand has been drawn. And now I'm that person. And that happened last night after that trip through the rain from New Jersey in that comedy club, which you went to in Morris Plains. Thank you. Exactly. I'm enjoying this. I think you need to talk more. Keep going. So okay, so we came here, and I had a, um, I had a tour which I gave at, at about 45 minutes from here, and I come back, and and you guys are you've been up for a little bit i'm a little bit tired but i'm excited i'm excited to show you guys know countryside it's about 70 degrees out it's overcast it's not like your typical like july day and we decided to walk down to the canyon what was that like how would you describe like what you saw what you felt and where we arrived I, I was surprised when you said canyon, I was picturing like an open air gorge 
that you were at? Like the Grand like Canyon? quarry. No, like just like a quarry, like more rocks, less water. I wasn't per- picturing like a nice stream that a river that we could swim in. That sounds like a really good ad campaign. More rocks, less river. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know if Big River would appreciate that, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it was a magical spot and it immediately when i got there i realized where you were taking us because you have a youtube video that you filmed uh, and you were sitting in the exact same chair Mm -hmm. that the amish woman i'm assuming she left it there so so paint that picture because no one knows what you're talking about when you see the amish woman so So, (laughs) what we arrived down we 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 cascade down the canyon walls. We we meandered our way through the meanders probably better word than cascade because we weren't climbing down anywhere. <laughs> we were like walking through. It was a, it was it was a it's an enjoyable like probably ten minute walk, and we're going down down down, and as we're getting close, we can hear their voices. We can hear their voices down in this normally secluded. And and I noticed immediately that they were not talking in English. They were speaking a different language. So, what language would that be? Well, I didn't realize at first, but you filled me in that they're speaking Pennsylvania Dutch. Which, they're speaking. They're speaking Amish. Which they're speaking Amish. Okay. <laughs> now they're speaking Pennsylvania Dutch. Okay. So we're kind of like in a forested jewel uh, island in a sea of Amish farms. That is a fair description. And we made our way to what seems like a common swimming bathing area. And uh, it's had, not a bathing area. It's not that. It's not that well, rustic. We're going down to the creek to go get bathed. Well, they had a fire, which uh, I would assume is to dry off. Well, well, these they swim in it. Like they you know, it's recreation. It was off. a rec. It's a recreation, not a, not a, uh, not a. Okay, not a, a hygienic. Exactly. Activity. That was not. A, we did not walk in on. It was not a bathhouse. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't walk in on a bathhouse. So. So, but here's the thing to put it into context, because I'm starting to become, I'm, I'm becoming aware, I'm becoming aware of the fact that I'm being watched by the, the people who, you know, this is their lives. They live in the same place. They know everything. And like all of a sudden, you know, I, at the very least I, I show up and I just walk everywhere and they just see me walking. An unfamiliar face, an extremely familiar place. Exactly, exactly. To them, they don't travel outside of here. Mm, that they they will. There there is some travel. I mean, they're not going to to Hong Kong, but uh, <laughs> but Did they ever go to New York City. Mm, no, but there are places in Florida, uh, places in Virginia, beaches which uh, which are popular, specific areas. Yeah, and the, I mean that's a whole scene. Office. It's literally a scene, um, but. The, the woman who, who we saw it was a grandmother and she was there with her three grandchildren and she had earlier she made a comment to the person whose whose house it is that I'm staying at here that um, she would prefer for me not to be in the house when they clean <laughs> like there's there's something there's something which I'm emitting which 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 is as, you know for whatever that is like that was that was the feedback that was who we snuck up upon having their 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 bathing time <laughs> they weren't bathing but they were in the in the stream so i'm like all right how do i go and meet this 
How do I meet this? Because I, I would, you know, I don't want to upset the grandmother, but then at the same time. So anyway, so that's what that was the that was the subtext, at least in my mind, as that as a the the day down at the at the canyon unfolded. The woman there was the same woman that cleans this house. Yeah. <laughs> she seemed very friendly. She definitely does. <laughs> she definitely does. There's like absolutely no disagreement with that statement. So something else which I thought was interesting, though, Mark, is um, you made reference to that video where the, the orbs show up. And she was sitting in the same chair I was sitting in, which is located far away. So she took the chair and she set it up exactly the same place where I set it up. And she was sitting there. And I, like, I felt like a kindred spirit. But I, didn't, I, I don't think that would have translated well if I would have told her. I was like, listen, I feel like a kindred spirit to her. So I, I did it. I, I held my tongue. Why do you say that? Well, because they're typically uh, maybe not using the word spirit in that context. So maybe it might be a little like unfamiliar, those terms. When he says, oh, you're a kindred spirit of mine, she might be shocked at that and think like, well, we're all, you know, part of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm not quite sure the nuances of how they use those words and ideas but from my catholic upbringing the holy spirit is a very specific thing you know like if i said to a deacon at the church oh you're my kindred spirit he might not uh be shocked because he's a more modern person but <clears throat> i don't know where i'm going with this mike what do you think you don't think she would like term kindred spirit um she may not understand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not. I'm not certain. I'm not certain the the degree in which um, I'm being framed up. So I'm not. I don't know how it would be. But I, you brought up a really interesting thing. Like if I did say that, I wonder if uh, how that would be received. I told you the story a little bit earlier today when we walked past the farmhouse, which. Usually I walk past it every night when the sun's down and you walk by and you don't see inside because there are no lights going on. But this one particular night last week, I, I walked by, which normally is, I don't think anything in the house. I just assume everyone's asleep in it. And the light from a passing car on a road kind of, I don't know, like reflected something or somehow like I was able to see illuminated inside this house, which I normally just see all the lights are off. It's like nine, ten o'clock at night. And what I saw inside, it was filled with people and they were all dressed and they're sitting in chairs, like fully dressed in a dark room doing nothing. They weren't talking. They were just there. And it was uh, like, I'm laughing. I'm like, is this, is this a movie? Am I being goofed? Or am I like in some sort of like, you know, I don't know what was going on, but that happened. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, like you came upon like a scene in a department store, like a bunch of mannequins sitting in furniture. <laughs> and like, so you just flash the lights on, they're all just still sitting in place. 
but it, it would be more so like if you think they're the mannequins are mannequins and then like you go down into the basement of the department store where all the mannequins are there and you open the door and you're like holy shit they're actually moving and talking they come alive like because there's something really like weird about it too Hmm. Um, maybe they are, maybe they are just, vibing on each other yeah I, I think that's exactly what it was like like I, I, I saw that and I was like we've been vibing on each other <laughs> I, I don't even know it's like I'm, it's embarrassing it's like I hear it in my head the Pennsylvania Dutch accent and then what comes out of my mouth is nothing like what I hear in my head like that's not what they sound like but somehow like the the that's how it was translated well, you gotta imagine that because they live with no electric lights their night vision is probably continuous. You know, it's much better than ours. Maybe. I, Maybe. I would... I, I see them with, like, the LED battery power lights. Like, there's there's workarounds. They're, they don't have virgin careful, irises. Careful like, what you say, Mike. We don't want to upset the the, the um, impression that they're, let, they're setting, you know? People are going to... You're kind of, like, revealing some dirty Amish secrets here. Listen. <laughs> you just go and you, 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 you walk around here, and, and the veneer, the veneer rubs off real quick. Yeah, I mean that being said, like I have a wonderful time. Well, the number one thing that looking I looking at their windows at night. <laughs> yeah, I would say you know, I've never stopped that now, long. Maybe I understand why. I've never stopped that long <laughs> to yeah. I was in the road. <laughs> yeah, you're peeping Mike over here. Oh my goodness, you're peeping the Amish. Oh god, that's funny. <laughs> and and you're to them you're sus AF. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, but yeah, I kind of feel like um what really brings the contrast is the lack of telephone wires cuz even in the country parts of where I, we live when we drive there's still like those little glimpses of modernity here it seems just peaceful, dark. I find it one of the uh, um, like it's it's I'm coming here from not 108 days in West Baltimore and it was a very unique West Baltimore experience but I'm coming from like a like a dense urban like rundown urban environment and then I come here and it's kind of run down in a different way and but it's not dense but it's totally different and the the i mean the the juxtaposition of going from those two um th extremes i think it has made me even more appreciate like how strange or like how unusual it is to find yourself if you're not like from this area like living in this area and like just kind of like walk in amongst like I'm, it's not even so much like I'm, I'm just in a house and I'm driving by I'm like I'm like feet on the street walking around and just really becoming uh, uh, familiar with it on that level this area yeah 
Yeah, it was like stepping into another world for sure in a really visceral sense when we were driving in because the rain kept oscillating, heavy, light rain, heavy, light rain. And then as soon as we got into this area, it got real misty. And, you know, that glow that happens after, you know, and the clouds are kind of like reflecting the light from the streets and the cars. And we get this glow and we're driving through cornfields corn on both sides and it's like going through a tunnel you know like a green tunnel and then we're here but you know the 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 characters that we've met so far have been the the biggest thing that stands out all right so let's go down that let's go down that trail tell me what you tell me what you want i mean do you eat it uh, you go i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go and say what you gotta say well the first person that we interacted with uh was Mr. Rich at uh, six in the morning? We woke up to his coffee grinder, bang, and then uh, yeah, he gave us a rundown, told us all about him, and I, I don't want to give too much away because we are going to have Mr. Rich on the next episode. We describe what he looked like. Would you describe how he moves? Yeah. We describe how he talks. He's a very soft-spoken gentle round but sturdy and like shapely not like uh you know he's very trim and fit but but not but heavy you know and he's got dense dense. he's very dense yeah he's got like a like a dense nutrients yeah like a tank of a body almost and after after what you told me about how he climbs trees i could i could see that now uh he's got like kind of tree trunk legs too and how old did he look to you? Well, he, he's got um, all white hair, and he's looks about like a young elderly person. Not quite an elderly elderly person, but on the younger side of elderly. Hmm. So respectfully, when I saw him, I could have maybe guessed 75, but I'm almost certain you told me that he's an 80-year-old man. So that's an 80-year-old man. You're absolutely yeah. correct. Uh, could you tell that he was blind as a bat? No, honestly, I've been sort of trying to gauge that because it doesn't seem like he's really that. Like maybe media and like TV and movies and stuff give you this like impression that blind people are like totally disabled. But he's like very hard to tell that he's like blind. Cause he'll okay. look right at you when you're talking. He might not be blind as a bat. Yeah. He might have like like seventy percent reduction in okay. sight. But, but I'm laughing because I'm I'm just being silly. Like I just want to say blind as a bat because it's a fun thing to say. But now I'm listening to you like you're like framing it up. Like you know what these blind people are saying that they can't see. And I'm just starting to think that they're full of it <laughs> yeah i you know i yeah i think there is a little bit of something to that but no you're full of shit. <laughs> like imagine that like you go you they give you the eye test and you're like is the e pointing up or down or what have you and you just like you just throw it on purpose yeah and you're like purposely like no nah, I, can't, I can't say nothing no, I now I'm blind as can be. Give me a give me a CNI dog. Like, do people excuse. do that? Do people do that? Like, yeah. what percent of blind people are just like people who are like, fuck it, I'm just going to be blind. How could you ever prove them wrong? How could you pr- exactly? I guess a flinch test. It'd have to be a flinch test. Yeah. Like someone, you'd have to walk in a room and people like like try to sucker punch you. They will, you don't actually get hit, but you can come close and just the person flinch. 
That's what that's got to be the test. And then you get a a, a, a seeing eye dog. <laughs> I think there's a movie with a scene like that where a guy's just like, you're not blind. And he's like, throw a bunch is that of what I did? Like, that's, you know, that's what I pictured. So that, that's how the brain works too. It's like you see a movie, you see a TV show you, or what have you, and you internalize it. And then you, you think of it as a memory, but it was like never a memory. It was like something that was already implanted into you. Like that's, it would be funny if that's what what I just did. Like that, because I'm thinking I'm just like coming up with something, but you're probably right. I saw that in a movie like 30 years ago or a TV show. It's kind of like. <sighs> what? Uh, I don't know. Yes, I'm you do. thinking about channeling. Come on, channel. Uh, uh and just thinking about I was just not uh, I was thinking about channeling and how I think it was something completely off topic from what you guys were just talking about no not really keep going so um, channeling I think th that okay so the times that we're living in right now if you're not f like focused mm -hmm. and invested in a process every day your consciousness is kind of floating all over the place you know what I'm saying? I know what you're Swirling saying. Rolling around. And it's being assaulted. Yeah. There's a cat in a window who's staring at you. Like, do you see that over your left hand shoulder? I think it just moved its head. But when you're talking, is it looking at you again? Yeah. Like, it doesn't do that. You know, like the Egyptians were always like, you know, cats. We're going to draw pictures of cats. Cats got. Um, I mean, I was always just assuming that, that the cats were channeling into the Egyptians. And so when you're talking about the channeling and I'm seeing this cat staring at you, I'm like, is this what it's all about? Is this, am I, am I witnessing it firsthand? And also I should say the first, first character that we met after coming to Gnome Countryside was the cat. Cause she, the cat curled up to Tara while we were sleeping. So yeah, I mean, and not to mention she, Tara single-handedly manifests animals all the time. We saw a bobcat two weeks ago, so. Right. Okay, so, and also, so with that being said, uh, if you're so, uh, and you're open, right? So then you're open because consciousness can, is open for whatever to be playing out if you're not the one in control of what you're doing all of the time, you know, or like where it's at. Mm -hmm. uh, and not speaking regularly, um, too, also. Um, so, 
so what I was thinking about channeling then is having these these insights come through and I don't know how to connect it to the cats you don't have to <laughs> I just like to talk about cats <laughs> Well, okay, so you can have these divine insights come through or these, these uh, windows, the, the windows open up and you see an opportunity to speak to what's unfolding and then include so when 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 people channel that changes the channel of whatever reality is unfolding in that moment or in the, f the future moments following that channeling being spoken into existence you know the channel turns the channel the channel turns the channel so as a channel channeler myself not or a, a, a what's it called a novice one or amateur um a hobbyist, a do-it-yourselfer. I mean, there's so many different words we could use, but I think we know. These, these, I've consistently, to my perception, kind of miss these channelings, or they they come through, and I don't, I recognize them. I don't know how to speak to them in the moment and they come in waves. And sometimes you get tossed up in the surf. What does that mean to get tossed up in the surf? Instead of, uh, well, it means to fall off your board. Yeah. I mean, right. Like I understand what that is. So, like the metaphor in what if would, you don't would you catch it at that exact moment, you're not gonna you're not gonna catch the wave and ride it into shore where all everyone else is hanging out. You could. It's one of those things that could be done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, cause and then and when we were going. And we were on, when we were on the walk before, it was like, oh yeah, okay, I see, I see, I see where I am. This makes sense. I see. And then, but then, weave in and out of it. I don't know. Let's... Let's weave out. Let's go for the, the walk.
What's up, Mystic Uncle Mike? <laughs> <laughs> Mystic Uncle Mike. Everybody's favorite uncle. <laughs> the weird mystic sitting in the corner. No, weird, no. No. Mark, how are you, my friend? Good, I miss you already. It's been, been what, a few days since we, uh... We came down to Gnome Countryside, so we've been good. We just went and swam in a little uh, lake that's named after a Native American woman. Uh, found a new swimming spot this afternoon, so I've been good. Tara and I are nice and refreshed on this hot afternoon. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. It's nice that it's finally cooling off. Because it, oh. was, it, was uh, it was a hot one today, that was for certain. Scorcher. <laughs> so, yeah, so so you guys returned back, what, was that three days ago? Two days ago? Yeah, Tuesday evening we made it home, Wednesday, early Wednesday morning. That was a really nice trip to have you guys down. Agreed. Yeah, thanks for having us. Definitely, and thank, uh, it was, um, it was, uh, Rob, who also was part of the participants and help fund your gas tank and actually I think pay for a little bit of food while you were down here. So I want to thank all the other participants who are listening along and help make it happen as well. Yeah, Rob, Dave, Isaac, a whole bunch of people. Rob B, who uh, hooked me up with some sour diesel before I left. So yeah, there's a lot of people helped in their own ways. Amy S sent us some cash on Cash App uh, the day we got back, which was nice because... You always, you always got to recuperate your losses after you go on a trip like that. So, yeah, it was fun. We uh, we ended our trip by stopping at Sunbury, PA. Oh yeah, and by the way, Tara is here. Uh, I should say, say hi, Tara. Hi, Mike. <clears throat> hi, Tara. How are you? I'm well. Um, I have a little bit of a a stuffy nose since we were down there, but. Yeah, thanks for having us down there, and it was it was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was fun and great and to meet enlightening. Great to meet Mr. Rich as well. Yes, it was. Yeah. Mhm. And yeah, to see the the Amish <laughs> countryside. <laughs> we I, a, we... I found. Oh, I actually, sorry, I actually found out that um, I have Amish, uh, or my great-grandparents were Amish, so that's that was funny to find out. Yeah, um, she just found that out this week. Yeah. How did, you, how did you find that out this week? How is that a secret? How, how in your family would you not know that? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, people, uh, <clears throat> no one really uh, talks much, and knows much but my grandmother just came out with it uh a few days ago i talked to her and and yeah she's like i told her that we had gone down there and she said oh did you know that your uh great grandparents are amish i was like oh i had no idea and that's it that was about it (laughs) so when you were down here did you feel something like on a very deep dna level that i don't know that you could live like that (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah she can sure. live like that trust me <laughs> i don't yeah i mean it's a little a little too strict for me but 
She's with them on the phone thing. If she could have a yeah. phone in her front yard as opposed to in the po- in her pocket, she would be very happy. <laughs> that um, that yes, the simplicity. Right. The simplicity yeah. without the rigidity. Right. Yeah. Like that. That's that's what it is. You're you're neo Amish. <laughs> All the simplicity with none of the rigidity. <laughs> and you, but you still dress the same way. You still wear like the same sort of outfit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would that would be funny. Yeah, her family owned a lot of farmland in this in this area. Not just her great grandparents, but her uh, her parents as well had some farmland that they I think they sold it. But yeah, right. Yeah, it's an animal shelter now. But yeah, so, but um, yeah, there's a a lot of um, a lot of magical happenings while we were down there. In countryside yeah and since then too i mean like i said we stopped in sunbury pa on the way home and uh went to shikalami island which is the um shikalami was one of the first you know uh, sachems i think in that area and you informed me that that area used to be called shimokin which is now the name of the dam a little further south from there but yeah we went back to that area and that was the area I had first initially visited when I first came down to Pennsylvania uh, back in 2019. So, yeah, it was cool to revisit that with Tara alongside. And also, we found some really strange rocks uh, on the side of the river, some similar ones to the ones you, um, when we went to... I always forget the name, but you know which site I'm talking about that we went to with all the rocks. Balmer. Uh, yes, yes. We found some stones that were very similar to that uh, in this one spot further upriver. Interesting. I hear a bird in the background. What kind of bird is that? I am unaware. I cannot identify it. I can neither hear it, or I can neither see it, and I can barely hear it because I've got big headphones on. Um, so yesterday, I uh, so we did. A, maybe we'll, we'll go and we'll recap uh, the entire trip. But um, I want to bring this up now. Yeah, fill me in on what you've been up to since we left you. So um, actually, a couple really interesting things. So the, I would say, from my perspective, the the highlight of our time together, the three of our the three of us, the time we had together is when we went to the Serpentine Barrens. And following that up with the conversation with Zach, where I think Zach helped put into context what exactly we had just experienced. Right? Well, yeah, in a, in a very interesting sort of mainstream, but also very grounded, close to the earth kind of way. Yeah. It, he exactly. lost me a little bit when he started talking about dinosaurs, but other than that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, so, okay, so, all right, so that kind of, like, kicked it off. Um, and we were all talking about, I, I think, the day of, the day we went to the Serpentine Barrens, like, every, or definitely me and Tara, but I don't know so much about you, Mark, I won't put words in your mouth, but, but we, we woke up in, like, like, like in a weird mood. And it, and it seemed to have um, uh, culminated upon our arrival at the Serpentine Bear. 
when the rain came and there was like a bit of a release and then and then everything changed afterwards so that's why i want to pick up after that so um you followed me up the next day we went up to uh the day you left i went up to hershey and we stayed at dale or i stayed at dale's place and from there and uh hershey pa from the the, the chocolate factory town or if you know where hershey park is like it's the same sort of area so then i went down to a place and if you're in front of a uh, a computer you can pull it up and take a look at it it's called the king and queen seat and it's in bel-air maryland yeah okay. you told me about this yeah and so that was these these rock outcroppings um overlooking i think it's called deer creek and that's in maryland um and the deer creek is a tributary to the Susquehanna. so that was those are really really like um uh it was it was an intense experience i met up with paul wall and he and i went there he grew up in the area so so we go up there and then the following day, I come back here, and I get a call from Zach. And Zach's like, hey, you want to go, and uh, I'm going to go in and, and drop off some books to a guy who I think would really enjoy reading. And he was like, are you free this afternoon? Can we go? I'm like, yeah, definitely. So we go to this guy's house, and it was on my side of the river, not Zach's side of the river, um, a little bit in between our uh, where known countryside is and, and and the bridge which we crossed, but it was in a part of Lancaster County which um, totally different than I mean it might only be ten minutes away, but completely different than what you saw when you were here in Corryville and so forth. Um, much more like it feels like the Poconos more so. And we go to this guy's house, and I, and it's right by the, the petroglyphs, or it's near where the petroglyphs are located, right on uh, uh, Pequay is, is the area. And there's like this hidden road, which I never even knew existed. There are all of these houses from the creek that, that they're, 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 it's evident that these are people who want to be away from everyone else. It's like this, this kind of like secret sort of, um, secret sort of uh, road. And at the very end of the road is where this guy's house is, and it's up on top of a um, it's up on top of a hill, and or a, a hilled area, and there's a waterfall which his house is built down next to. And this guy is probably in the seventies, and he is a stonemason, like a like a working skilled stonemason. And the first thing was he was the house itself and how he built it. And he's telling me how how he built it, how the you know, and he's he's speaking like you know someone who's got a lot of pride in the caliber and quality of their work. And his work is, is stonemasonry and how there's twelve inch thick blocks with. Um, rebarb uh, uh, support in them so that if there's a, a boulder that goes down the hill that the house can withstand like a boulder strike, which I thought was fantastic. But the whole thing was just like completely over-engineered and fascinating. And we're talking about like, you know, he's an old timer and we're talking about all of these like kind of interesting things. And then uh, it came time. I was like, all right, I got to go. I, it's, it's, it's time for me to leave. I got to go. And he said, well, do you want to see the museum? I'm like, what do you mean the museum? And so he takes me into this 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 other um, uh, this other uh, uh, structure on his house.
kind of like a, a, a glorified shed. And he has all of these, um, all of these fossils and, and, uh, geo, a geological collection, which, um, is, he's donated quite a bit to the Smithsonian. So, exactly, exactly. He showed me this one fossilized, I don't know, looked like a beetle to me, like the sort of fossils which you see imprinted on, um, on stones. And he's like, yes, this is the world's largest of, and he said, like, you know, whatever the genus would be of what that was. And then he showed me this other thing. He's like, yes, they're going to name this, this discovery after me. So it's this guy. I mean, he literally, he, he looks like a dwarf. Like, think about, like, the dwarf archetype that you see in, um, like, Lord of the Rings, of the amazing miners. And, like, just, like, the attitude. The guy was probably, like, five foot five, and he's like real solidly built, 72. I think he had a, a 30-year-old Filipino wife, and, and I'm pretty <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say any, I'm not, I'm not going to make any sort of speculation. military uh, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. It's usually um, indicative of that, at least around here. <laughs> well, so, well, <laughs> more male order ride, but... Um, it is a, uh, like this guy, just how all of his immense skill sets, his immense building with stone and his ability to like all of this stuff, which is all over his house, like um, thousands and thousands of these amazing samples of all of these different geological um, uh, uh, attributes, which he discovered himself. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it was, it was just a real, it felt like, a, an icing on the cake after the barons and then going to, to the, the king and queen seat and then finally getting to meet kind of like the, the rock king of the area. Wow. Yeah. Did he, did he have anything to say about the serpentine barons? Um, or did you not ask? I don't know if I asked. I don't know if I asked. He did indicate that um, that he's got a lot of good friends at the Smithsonian, and they will not tell him this truth about why they're hiding the information on the giants. On the giants. On the giants. He's like, I don't know why they won't tell. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, he, he was saying, he was like, well, giants, he's like, these are like seven, eight foot tall people, like, you know, uh, maybe nine foot, like not, not 30 well, foot giants. That's what Magellan like, said he saw on his travels through Patagonia, which is why they called it Patagonia. So, yeah, I mean, I love the giant conversation. I mean, you know how tall I am. I try to f I fancy that maybe I'm related to some... Scottish German giants, yeah, from way well, back. It certainly when. would. It certainly would make sense. So it was funny. Um, uh, it was funny to, um, to listen to angle. him. Yeah, and to and just kind of see uh, he had a very interesting perspective. Like some things felt very mainstream, and some things felt very like a little bit um, off center. But what was so impressive is like this guy's not speaking from um, was not speaking from uh, uh, like you know this is what I've read or what I learned from an expert. This is like from my own experience. And so I, we were asking him like, well, how do you find this sort of stuff? And so he would say like he was friends with a lot of surveyors and 
all of it with a with a um, like a, a rock hammer and just break everything and just knows what to look for. He had the eye, but I thought that I thought it was very fascinating to hear his approach. And he could just find fossils in those big rock dumps. <clears throat> he, he did mention he did mention dinosaur footprints because I tend to be on the same page as you with you uh, as it relates to dinosaurs. I was like, Show me the guy. money. <laughs> That's what I wanted. I wanted to say. So he said. He said two things, like which to me were a little bit contradictory. You know, one being like, I don't trust the Smithsonian. They're hiding the, the information on the giants. But then at the same time, he's like, Yeah, it's, you know, it's all the Smithsonian people who were the ones who introduced us on the dinosaurs anyway. So um, <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't be. Uh, lizard reptilian like beings that they just don't want us to know maybe were dragons or something that's more mythologically uh tangible you know in the sense that like dinosaurs are a completely new idea as of you know the 1880s or something like that whereas uh dragons have been universally known for thousands of years i mean that seems to me like the likely culprit of these uh you know footprints or even skeletons if we're let if you know if we can even believe that they have the skeletons of course the museums are filled with plaster casts but let's not get too far down that rabbit hole and get all the flat earthers excited <laughs> so yes yeah, so that's what i had been doing since um since uh since you guys left um to return back to Connecticut. Right on. Well, yeah, I'm a little sad that we didn't get to meet uh, this gentleman. Tara had a question. He, she asked, what uh, What did this guy donate, you're asking? Yeah, I missed that. Like a lot of fossils and finds that he, that he um, discovered, uh, he donated them to the Smithsonian. So I guess that they have a big... Um, I guess that's a normal thing. So I was fascinated with that whole sort of um, that whole sort of concept of um, like you've got like the the what I think of is you know this is this is the story that unfolded in my mind was you've got like the the official Smithsonian suits right you know the the I'm a archaeologist or whatever whatever your 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 is. PhD title is, and we got hired to go and work for the Smithsonian. Uh, he also did a lot of work with the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh, which I thought was interesting too. Um, but then all of those guys, like the, the 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 Smithsonian, they have like this network, and I think they're like all sorts of people, like this guy, who are probably um, like out feet on the street sort of stuff, and they find the real good stuff. And just seeing how all of that interacted, and then they go and you find something, and once you probably have like uh, three sheds worth of just stuff, you're like, well, what am I going to do? And, and I think one of the things which is nice, or what, what would be the, the payoff for donating something to the Smithsonian, is like, you know, your name, something, if you discovered it, gets named after you, or, or like, you know, you get your, your, your name in a magazine or maybe on, a, on an exhibit. Right. Huh. Did he find any snake fossils? 
the entire Snake fossils? Just because I'm thinking of like, the serpentine barons. And, and gotcha. I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing Tara. Oh. <clears throat> She's got to put the microphone close to her mouth. Um, yeah. Perfect. That sounds much better. Okay. Yeah, I'm just, um, I was just thinking because of the uh, trip to the serpentine barons and the serpentine being a snake. And so, so, no, there was one yeah. fossil which she did show me, and it was not a snake. Mm-hmm. But, but what it was, and I thought was kind of interesting, was um, it was a whale vertebrae. Oh, wow. In, from In Pennsylvania he found this? Uh, I am uncertain of that answer. I don't know where he found that one, but I just know that I saw it in his um, in his uh, collection. Huh. Well, I know whales can swim up river if the river's deep enough, so uh, totally. Uh, is that well, totally I think unheard it's, of? It's much, it's much, much older than anything recent. So yeah, like it would have been back in uh, in an, uh, when 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 things were a little. They are now. What was also interesting was listening to them describe what the Susquehanna was said to have um, been like before before uh, um, all of the dams. And it was a little bit different than like because Zach we were asking Zach those sort of questions, and so this guy had a little bit of a of a um, a different like the the picture he painted was a little bit different. And he was describing uh, um, almost like, he's like, imagine like the Grand Canyon, like these very, very um, steep, deep um, uh, gorges with, with cliffs and, and steep, sharp le- ledges and the river at the bottom, much, much more narrow and going much faster. It was like all of those... All of those gorges have been filled with um, sediment. Mm. So he described it. I was like, well, where is it? And walk me through that. And uh, then somehow the, the, the topic changed in the conversation. But uh, that was another one of the things which kind of caught my attention. And, and probably, if anything, what I was noticing was how wide, how wide the, the understanding is like it was a little bit different than because you heard Zach talk. Zach definitely sounds like he's someone who is in the know as well. And you know, all of these people in the know kind of have different stories because no one really knows. <laughs> right, right, and it, it is interesting. Like <clears throat> those folks are are well, you know, equipped to go and imagine what the past looked like, but then uh, you, you speculate outside of the box that they've been given from the academia and it's like whoa 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 what are you doing there sir you know but uh, are we bring, are we bringing the dot the the dragons back up <laughs> I guess so. well, <laughs> yes the, we are the serpentine barons what was interesting um so yesterday tara and i went to a place that We've been near before. It's that same like overlook that I've told you about before that overlooks the root chakra point on Peter okay. Shampoo's chakra lay. Okay. And we found a swimming spot underneath, 
and we started swimming. We were just kind of going along the rocks, and it's not exactly like a beach. It's more like what we saw in the Susquehanna, but uh, different type of rock, and it's not really like... It's very rocky, I'll just say that. So anyways, we're kind of looking for like a flatter rock that we could sort of lay out on. And we found one, and up 20 feet in this tree is this long, long, long snake skin just like blowing in the wind. And I can't remember where I read this, whether it was one of the books you gave me or uh, a book that I was reading before our trip, but I read something about snake skins being used for... Uh, protection and magic and yeah so we Tara found this really long stick and we we just like tried to knock it off the tree branch took us like 20 minutes but yeah eventually we got it and we took a snake skin home that's a really nice find yeah yeah it's just sort of bundled up uh on our art station I think but yeah it's uh it's uh a snaky kind of week, you know, <laughs> for some reason. There's serpent energy. It has definitely been, there's a lot of that serpent energy. Uh, which uh, of the books which you took, are there any, which one did you start reading? Have you started reading any of them? Or, or did any of them make their way into the queue of your next mm. booklet? Yeah, no, I, they're all... They're all uh, taking the place of other books I had queued up. So, yeah, I have a... Uh, I've read the smallest one, uh, the yellow book about witchcraft. <laughs> that, that book was immediately of interest because, you know, we're talking about Pennsylvania. They're talking about the Pennsylvania Dutch. And, yeah, I don't know, it's just really stuck with me. I went and looked up some other stuff about the Amish and found out that they shave their mustaches uh, because it's a part of their nonviolence. Mustaches were considered like a military uh, sort of, only people in the military would sport mustaches and knights would have mustaches to like, I don't know, make themselves look scarier. They would like wax their mustaches as big as they could. So yeah, I guess the Amish in the 1600s decided that they are going to shave their mustaches and let their beards grow. I found that interesting. That is very interesting. I always wondered why there was no mustache. That the witchcraft book, which which you had, is a reprint, and I want to say that it originally was printed at a from like a local Lancaster uh, independent printer in maybe the early 1900s, I think that's when it came out. And, like, now, you could, I bought that, it was almost like it's in a tongue-in-cheek, it's, it's put out or it was sold tongue-in-cheek, like a reprinting of that. Um, and I found that, like, in a, um, like in a Lancaster um, uh, souvenir shop. Mm. But, I, it's, nonetheless, it's still pretty fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, that that explains like the angle they kept taking, um, that it was tongue in cheek. But yeah, yeah. Well, I no, I don't think I don't think that was written in tongue in cheek when it came out in the 1900s. I'm saying that the way it's being sold today as right. a souvenir, that's tongue in cheek, like almost kind of like like making fun of the superstitions of of a hundred years ago. Mm, okay, yeah. That makes sense. No, yeah, I just, maybe I had trouble reading it, 
but it was interesting. I just was expecting more powwow information. Ah, uh, no. It was no, more just about the su- superstitious culture. Right, right, right. But, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because that passage from that book I sent to you talks about the serpentine stone as being sort of like a trickster. And the Amish have a trickster quality in the sense that they're like, uh, they figured out a way to uh, avoid a lot of the problems of modernity, uh, but they're not perfect. But yeah, I found it interesting too that they don't adhere to the social security system, so they don't have social security numbers when they're born. They got wow. like, a constitutional exemption. There was a court case that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and it ruled in favor of the Amish having a religious exemption because they don't rely on any public or, uh, I forget the other word, but public or government services. Since they're opting right. out, they're, they're considered exempt. And I was like, wow, that, that's it's very cool to know. And I think a lot of the libertarians out there would love to figure out a way to work that loophole into their lives and to be just left alone yeah well and there's also the concept of amish converts where people like abandon their old life and and work as a amish person you're either accepted or you're shunned eventually or but they say most people choose to to go in for a little while and decide eventually that they don't want to uh fully convert but yeah they they kind of keep the doors open for people to to join them i've never heard that i yeah. did not know that but also i think where you know where we were is probably the more strictest or like the more because it you know the lancaster county that's like the oldest grouping of amish where now i think the ohio grouping of amish is much larger and then there's also a lot in indiana and uh, Wisconsin and uh, Illinois, so they've kind of made their way across the Great Lakes region. There's even some up in uh, New York State. Yes, there are. I've uh, seen them. I've seen them. Um, I've seen signs, indications, but not that, signs that say Amish this way. I haven't seen those signs. Just indications that they exist. But that coupled with what we were talking about with you going to the Southwest and like this idea of like kind of letting go of some of your what's tying you down and, you know, who knows, maybe that's that's a way for you to uh, to sneak out of society, Mike. You convert to being an Amish and then you ditch the Amish and you just become a free man. Um, what's also interesting was I got a, a, a care package, I think it arrived, it arrived two days ago, maybe, from Jessica out in Oregon, and it had a bunch of, um, sand, stones, and shells from Oregon. Huh. And so I, it was, it was nice, I always like to receive stuff like that. But what I didn't realize until the second time that I looked at it was there was also a, um, a whole container filled with red dirt from um, West Texas, right on the New Mexico border, from some sacred land. But that arrived right after, you know, the uh, the trip from the Serpentine Barrens, which we learned is very similar in 
soil and flora as what you see in western Texas and New Mexico and that part of the world. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so that literally came, that, that arrived, it certainly arrived, um, the timing was perfect. interesting i mean there are so many different zach even zach talking about the uh and this will all be for the folks tuning in uh they should have already heard the interview with zach because i'm going to put this out after that episode but yeah zach uh mentioned the flora connection between the serpentine barrens and the southwest and then and oregon and Oregon as well. And then Tara and I, when we were swimming at the river uh, yesterday, we found these really tall, I think they're oh, called corn flowers. Yeah, they're, they're either called cone flowers or corn flowers, something like that. But they're, they're, it's the same one that I stood next to. And I was like, whoa, this flower's taller than me. And we have those uh, on the Housatonic River. I didn't even realize it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. There's a lot of, uh, I think, the plant world, the energy of the plant world. Because I was reading this, the the plant world softens the energies of the mineral world and combines it with the energy of the sun. And, you know, that's why plants are so uh, nutritious, right? Because they're not just giving forth their own fruit and their own means, but they're pulling up the nutrients from the earth itself and transmuting them. Mm. So like the, um, the, the middle man between... Yeah, the... like, well, yeah, like the middle, middle between animal and mineral is vegetable, <clears throat> you know? Earth and human. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of animals we found the snakeskin but we also saw the vultures in the serpentine barrens which so, vultures are sort of like a rebirth symbol you know they're uh they're called awake when they're all grouped together like the way we saw them were there any other animal animal encounters we had i'm trying to think back uh, a lot of horses nothing. There's always the horses around here, but no, there was nothing, um, predi- <coughs> uh, any of the, of uh, an unusual or an uncommon, um, interaction. That's what I always kind of, um, look for or, or value is like the commonality, like when it's something really outside of the, the norm, like finding a snake skin to me is always a, a really good indication. Oh, we were thinking. It's rare that. Yeah, well, yeah, and it was just like floating in the wind on a tree branch. It was really interesting how we found it, like the really the elements up. at play, you know. It's just like over the river, but also being pushed by the wind in the direction towards the tree. So it was like a struggle to get it off the tree, because every time I knocked it one way, the wind would like readjust it and it just stuck to the tree. But eventually we got it down. But yeah, I was curious. I'm like, how did this snake get all the way up? here did it get eaten by a bird or something you know like a, a hawk came down and picked it up but i read in uh an article that that type of snake goes up into trees pretty high it's a i'm almost certain it's a connecticut rat snake skin that we found but 
Uh, Connecticut rattlesnake? No, no. Well, Connecticut rat snake probably isn't the oh, right rat. word. Oh, rat. Eastern, rat. Eastern rat snake. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, They're all over the east coast. It's like six feet long. But it, Yeah, they can get like, I think they can get like five and a half to six feet long, and this snake skin was at least four and a half feet long. It was pretty long. <coughs> so... <laughs> That's a good find. Yeah, uh, it made made us a little nervous about swimming there, but yeah, I think uh, we'll be fine. And it's, those snakes don't bite humans, at least. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, so how about that that message that you received while we were at this? Ooh, yeah, Mercury Moon. Should we? All right, let's let's talk about that. Make sure. Make certain Tara's mouth is near the uh, the microphone because oh. she comes, her right. voice goes in and out. There we go. That sounds much much better. She's still she's still getting uh, she's still getting into it. You know the mic the microphone skill is not Tara's best skill, but she's learning. She's learning. She's getting it. So so the the message that appeared. So okay, why don't you walk us through the story? Because I thought this was fascinating. Right, so where we were down there in Pennsylvania, I didn't have the best service on my phone. And for whatever reason, when we got into the Serpentine Barrens, I started getting a bunch of messages that we had service there. So I look on my... Well, well, take a moment and just, like, explain, like, how when you're not in the Barrens and then how you have to walk into the Barrens. Like, the Barrens is, like, a small section. Right, right. So we arrived in the park. And we were looking for the barons, and we sort of went one way, and then we found uh, a spot to sit down and have a smoke and just kind of evaluate where our next move would be. And that's when we saw a uh, park ranger drive up on one of those carts, and you, Mike, quickly got up and... uh, started asking them where the serpentine barons were and it was interesting because they were grilling us as you put it on their way towards us and you kind of like turned the turned the toot around you know you like changed the attitude of the of the whole group just by you know the way you explained what we were doing and yeah he told us oh you go this way you go this way so we went, and quickly we realized that we didn't know where he was sending us, so we had to go back, turn around, and we found it. Uh, we parked by this, like, trailhead, and as we're walking down the trail, it's just, you know, typical green East Coast forests, all sorts of different trees, and we're sort of going down this path, and it's pretty thick cover over our heads, and... It's a wide path. I mean, you could drive a car down that path that we were going down, but it started getting narrower and narrower and started going uphill. And then the the gravel and the stone underneath our feet started to sort of break through the ground as we passed over this creek. And then it started to open up a little bit, and we were kind of on this trail that almost looked like ATVs were driving around on it. Like, it was this loose gravel seemed like in my opinion that cart guy was driving around there uh but anyways yeah so we get to the spot where all of a sudden the tree cover lightens up and there's like a few sparse trees uh on our left side it was sort of a forest but on our right side towards the west we were 
looking at this grassland, this unmanaged grassland with some trees and some dead trees and yeah, it was it was pretty obvious the transition uh, and then the sky started to change from like a overcast to like a thunderstorm overcast and that's when we had made it to at least where we stopped because then we ended up turning around to, to get out of the rain but we made it to a point that felt like a higher elevation and that's when we started discussing the differences and the atmosphere and the environment and Tara went off and looked over in some of the trees and we were looking down at the ground there was like these green stones everywhere I started picking up green stones and yeah that's when I you know looked at my phone which is probably the wrong thing to do when you're in such a beautiful place like that but I couldn't help but tell you guys because the message was so weird um we got a message from someone named Mercury XX Moon, and earlier that day we were discussing Mercury, and even the trip itself was decided on with a sense of like randomness, right? We used the uh, tokens. What's the right term for those little pieces, Mike? Tokens. Yeah, tokens. We use the tokens that have different astrological planetary symbols on them. And we pulled two planets out, Neptune and Saturn, and based on those two random prompts, Mike sort of did some mental math, and we happened upon the the Serpentine Barrens. Anyways, fast forward to the message from Mercury XX Moon. And um, that was, Mike, that was your... You had wanted to go there for like 10 years, you said, right? Right, yeah, you hadn't you'd so, never been there before. So the Serpentine... The Serpentine Barrens, it's in a, it's part of a, like a, it's a different county. It's a county right south of, of Lancaster. Hold on for a second, that's something in my throat. <coughs> and it was like maybe about an hour or so where I used to live from. And I've, I've been aware of it. Like there's these things called the Serpentine Barrens. And I've looked at it online and it always looks really on, it doesn't look like it's a fun place to go. It's a barren. Like, it's not like you're going to go to to the king and queen uh, seats, which are rock outcroppings with amazing vistas. It's like, no, this is a place where nothing grows because the soil is all dry. And yeah, there's a lot of serpentine. And um, so, like, there's not that element. But I knew there was something very special about it just from the fact that there is no place like that anywhere on the East Coast. Right. Like, there's no place like it. So I've had that. Like, I had the, the, the internal knowing that I wanted to go there and the mental knowing as to why, but I never had that, like, what you would call the spark or the fire of inertia to make me go down. And I'm like, I'm always checking out places. So it has been for, like, 10 years, like, uh, maybe not, yeah, yeah, probably 10 years that I've been aware of it, but I would never, like, have that spark to want to go. And then it was like, this is the day. I'm like, this is the day we're going to do it. <laughs> That's kind of how it, how it came out. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I like the leaving the decision on you because I didn't really need an explanation and that was the kind of randomness that we were trying to provoke and 
Yeah, it was cool. It, it was sort of like a mix between an astrological reading and uh, and like the the dream walking thing that. Well, it, exactly, exactly. So we talked a lot about that. Um, we talked about that on the on the car ride from. We went. We got. We got a a coffee, and we discussed our plan for the day, and. From there, we we turned it into a little bit of an astrological conversation, talking about um, Tara's chart, your chart, and my chart. And we did focus upon Mercury and and the Moon for whatever reason. I don't exactly why. So that when that message came through, when we were at the Barrens, like you know, it took us. We were probably in the park. Everything from the arrival when we saw like the first map to like the conversation to the um, getting lost to the parking to the a three quarter of a mile hike to the spot like that was at least an hour or so so after like that hour of of build up we finally got to the one area because the the park itself looked like just a regular park until you find these small patches where you're like oh wow this is the serpentine barrens yeah it looks nothing at all like anything else uh when we arrived there is when you got like the 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 the, the tones or the the notification that messages had come and it was mercury moon and so immediately we're like, okay, this is this is really well um, well uh, uh, lined up in terms of meaning, in terms of synchronicity and coincidence. So okay, so let's go from there. Exactly, and not even just that, but the message. I mean, I'll get to it. I want to read it now because, I mean, it starts off with. You know, I just arrived in PA too, right? So that was the first thing that stood out to me is this person's also in Pennsylvania. So they obviously listened to the podcast that you and I did. They, they're not just some random, you know, person trying to spam or, or trick me or something. At least we yep. can assume. They're listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah, I imagine they're going to listen to this. Hi, Caitlin. So, Caitlin messages us. Uh, her screen name's Mercury XX Moon. And this is from a new account. That's probably why I'm even suspicious in the first place. Or at least it seems new, because there's only six posts and two followers. So, she says, I listen to your podcast regularly. I'm poor. I'd absolutely support you if I could and will when I can. Thank you, Caitlin. I appreciate that. Uh, you listening is all the support we need, so don't uh, break the bank for us. Uh, but I just arrived in PA, too, and I've been trying to figure out how I will get tax message to the universe. So for people wondering who's TAC, it's spelled T-A-C. So she says TAC, um, and she kind of phrases it in a way where it's like she assumes I already know who Tack is which got me confused because I'm like did a past guest on the podcast talk about this? Has Mike ever talked about this? I don't I don't think either of us have ever talked about this on this show but maybe she listens to my other podcast and it's just something that maybe she misinterpreted or I don't know but I've never heard talk in this way before uh, I've heard of Talakiel, we've talked about him that's another, that's what kind of came to mind when I heard the f sound talk, you know. But anyways, she says, I've been trying to figure out how I will get talk's message to the universe. She is sad. I can't hear her voice, but she gives me information. 
The synchronicities in my life only lead me to believe that I have a connection to the Judaic belief of Lilith. I am not crazy, but unifying the universe is not meant to be easy, so I'll accept any interpretation of my sanity. I can give a few very significant reasons why I believe Tak chose me. God, the masculine, is dog spelled backwards. Tak, the feminine, is cat spelled backwards. We are missing the information about the feminine due to communication issues amongst women that are not our fault, but a result of a very first miscommunication which occurred between Tak and God, the male and female origin of all life. After they separated and the life that they had created poured out of Tak. So, <clears throat> I got that message, and because the um, reception wasn't that great, my message went through, but what I didn't realize is she had actually sent like 10 other messages after that message, so I only got the first <laughs> message, and then I responded, and now I'm looking back, and I almost had like a Mandela effect moment where I had to be like, why, why is my... You know, because it looks like I responded after her 10 messages. Uh, but in actuality, I had responded to just the first message because that's the only one I had seen. So now I'm seeing nine additional messages between her first message and my response. Does that make any sense? That makes total sense. Okay, so... So, so let, let me add to, to what you've said so far. So the night before... Uh, me, you, and Tara did a recording on the porch. Right. Right? And I've been on that porch many times, but there was something I saw that night which I had not seen before, and it is, there's the cat. There's a cat that is normally outside, but it was inside, and it was at the window sitting, and it was like, what? It was watching Tara. And I just thought it was really, it was, I would not seen that before. It was kind of funny. And I, I, I don't know if you remember when I was pointing that out. I was like, look how the cat is staring at you, Tara. And then, uh, and so to me, that was, it just, it just jumped out of whatever that was, whatever that was. I just thought it was like, was amusing. And there'd been all of this like cat stuff, which has been in my mind, at least uh, pretty heavily, like just contemplating cats. Uh, for about two months at least. So when we got that message, like typically like a message like that, I don't know how I'd respond to it, but it hit on three different levels, or even four, I guess, if you will. The, uh, um, you know, the timing of the arrival of this place, which which we've been waiting to go to, the Serpentine Barrens, which I guess to a certain degree I've been waiting for 10 years to go to. There was the fact that the name was immensely meaningful due to the conversation we had in the, in the ride over to the, the Barrens. There was then the, um, the night before talking about, like, why is that cat staring at you? There's something, and, just, and that happened. And then, you know, just the whole cat thing. So when this comes in, like, it, like I, I take it with, either, with, a greater, with, with greater interest than even normally because it was hitting on all of these different levels. But I don't know what these 10 other messages said. Well, so this is new. This is new to me. All of it is new because yeah, I didn't get any of those messages. Um, and then I guess we decided we would talk about it on the podcast. And then you know we left. It started. 
It started thunder and lightning on the Serpentine Barrens. So after we read that first message, the emotions felt a little heavy, and then the rain starts coming in, and the thunder and the lightning. I, I th- even think, like, I said something, and it was, like, punctuated with a lightning strike. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, a couple times that happened. So that was weird, and, and Tara, I mean... I felt that as, a like, a deep ancestral wound as soon as you read the message, <clears throat> and it... It moved me to tears, and then... Well, yeah, and you brought the, the rain down. The rain I've seen her. In. I've seen her do this multiple times, and I don't think I've ever talked about it on a podcast because I'm just like, how, how do you even prove or go about proving something like that? Um, but, yeah, I, I think Tara's tapped in, and you, you and her had a deep conversation uh, either the day before or the day before that, and we talked about how she's, like, channeling this information from the celestial spheres, like, at a, in a way that is sort of, uh, can be overwhelming sometimes, right? So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that was that. We felt the, the connection, you know, between the three of us uh, and Tarek sort of being this conduit, like, pulled that energy in my you know, opinion, uh, or from my, uh, assessment to, yeah, experience. That's, that's what I thought happened. And, you know, we made it right back to the car, uh, with enough time to not get drenched, which was cool because it, it came down like a monsoon for at least 10, 20 minutes there. And we were able to drive away in, in Mike's, uh, Susquehanna Alchemy Mobile. We, uh, almost lost the keys. And yeah, and the keys, when we got in the car, the keys were not in your bag, they were not in your pockets, and we were just sitting there like, oh shoot, what are we going to do? Are we going to have to run all the way back up to the top of that and find Mike's keys? And then whatever, I don't know what it was, but I just pictured you sitting where you were sitting next to the truck, and I'm like, Mike, the keys are in the grass. And sure enough, I was right. (laughs) That's where they were. That's exactly where they were. It was... uh... It was a, it was a, it was a good day. So then, so then, what else? You have me, you have me curious. What else? What else do we need to learn about tax? Right. So okay. So there's a couple things that I want to just say that make even more synchronicity after you see what her message is. So again, didn't see any of these messages, and also we all kind of agreed that we would, um, you know, see what. She said and talk about it later. So I responded, "Who is Tack or what is Tack?" And then I was like, "Ah, I see," because I reread what she said, and I said, "I've never heard of this name for the goddess before." But uh, Caitlin, I, I'm sure that probably seemed like superficial based on all the stuff you sent me. So I apologize for being so uh, blunt. But anyways, so here's what she said after the first message. Second message. Why I believe she chose me as her messenger. My mom was in the Air Force and worked on secret projects. She died when I was 19 on November 7th, 2012, right before the end of the Mayan calendar, which I also believe is significant. What date? November 7th, 2012. November 7th, 2012. Okay. She and my father met at the Pentagon. He is retired Navy and a Vietnam veteran. They had me late in life, 
When I was conceived, my mother was recruited to work on a secret project at Area 51. I was inside of her when she traveled by plane every day back and forth from Nellis Air Force Base to Area 51 until she was too pregnant to fly. I was born at Nellis Air Force Base on December, December 17, 1992. So she's two years younger or older than me. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. I didn't notice that part. But when we were driving... So uh, can, go can, I'm going to make ahead. this little... Uh, when when you you can we go back? You should go back and, and maybe add out, out what I'm saying. Take out her name. Okay. Uh, take out like her Instagram like name and like when you said her full name. Like let's let's just give like because like we can't. I don't think we, I don't feel right doing both. Like reading her message and saying who she is. Like we either like do one or the other. Mm, okay. I uh, just... she 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 should have some some privacy. Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed. I. uh... I'm glad you pointed that out. I've just flagged the uh, time spot on the recorder so I could go back and edit this okay. out and edit her name. and Yeah, just, like, bleep it out. So, like, you know, and it'll be kind of cool, I think. Great idea. Like, we decided not to, like, something like that. So, anyway, so go on. So, you said she was born December 17th, 1993? 92. 92 in um, Ellis Air Force Base. Nellis, Nellis Air Force Base, which is apparently Area 51. All right. So, as Tara and I left Dale's house, like I told you before, we headed up for Sunbury, Massachusetts. And between Hershey and Sunbury, uh, there's like a Route 322, which I thought was interesting. We took Route 322, Mm -hmm. and then we got on Route 11, which goes along the Susquehanna River. And I don't know if you've ever been over in that area much, Mike, but there's this really strange energy, very abandoned feeling, like the Rust Belt farm, like like old farms, people lost their jobs on, kind of energy. On, three, on 322 and 11, like just north of Harrisburg there? Yeah, north of Harrisburg on Route 11, not uh, 322 got us there, but yeah, Route 11 specifically is what I'm describing. Okay. And All right, the, yeah, I, I know where it is. Yeah, and there's this big, big blue sign. Hold, hold on, say one more time. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the, the astrology chart. I'm pulling it up as you talk. Did you say December 17th? December 17th, 1992 is her birthday, yeah. Okay, 92. All right, I finally got to the place where I could do that. So, uh, nine, okay, all right, so keep going now. So we're on Route 11. There's this big, big sign that we've come by, and it says... Sex trafficking happens here, okay? I know, I know that song. Right, which was jarring and, like, made us kind of like, hey, what the heck, you know? And just the way the sign is even a phrase, it's almost like, what are you going to do about it kind of thing, right? So I'm only saying that because she goes on to say, um, so let me just keep reading her message. December 17th is the same birthday as the current pope. Everything matters and everything is predestined. You just had a guest on explaining the significance of the number 201, relating to the Pope's birthday and then relating to July 6th and something to do with Skull and Bones and George W. Bush. My boyfriend's birthday is July F and 6th. What the actual F? It was just one more thing that made me believe in my purpose and give me the strength to speak about talk and her desires for the world. Um... 
She has a set of thou shalls. She prefers positive reinforcement over negative reinforcement. Thou shalt, uh, you know, as opposed to God's thou shall not. She is playful and lighthearted at times, too. I have tried to think of a way to make it into a comedy bit that is also to be taken very seriously so that I can go on Kill Tony, which is a podcast that I watch all the time, and that's Mark talking, not her. <laughs> so I don't know if you know that, but I, I watch this podcast, Kill Tony. So it's weird. I don't know. Maybe she's heard me talk about it and knows I like that show, but uh, she said that she's thinking of writing a comedy bit about talk so she can go on this show. And uh, Have I talked to you about this show, Kill Tony, before, Mike? Uh, I'm not familiar with it. So, yeah, so it's it's like an open mic comedy show where, um, you know, professional comedians are sort of sitting at a table and new or beginner comedians come up on stage and they have a minute to tell jokes and they're either judged or make fun, made fun of or, or they, you know, are congratulated, whatever. It's sort of like an anything-can-happen kind of show. So... And they do have, you know, really strange people that, you know, say stuff that's not exactly comedy. So, uh, yeah, go for it. I think that would be very interesting if, if, you, do, if you did that. Um, so, anyways, she says, I want to go on Kill Tony and reach the masses, but it is so dire. Her message, it would have to be done so perfectly, and I would need help crafting it by people who will truly believe me and understand her wisdom. The doctor, when I was born, pulled me out by my arm and paralyzed me. He did it to several other children. My parents tried to sue but were denied because it is the military. I believe the military tagged me and several other children, having insight that one of us would carry the message that would allow life to continue on. I don't believe the government intentionally sucks. I believe they truly begin with the intent to do what God has laid out. Our constitution is under God for that very reason. Um, God's perspective is only half of the perspective. Tox's perspective is needed in order for us to continue on evolutionarily. We have gone through several of these fractals in time that have not succeeded because Tox was unable to relay her message in time before humanity destroyed itself and all other life on Earth. You are in Pennsylvania. I just got here a week ago to do a construction cleanup for my former professor. I am from the Susquehanna region. That is another synchronicity. We lived in Las Vegas until I was two years old. Then my mom left the Air Force and we moved to Redding, Pennsylvania, where my dad's family is from. So I grew up in the Susquehanna area. I could go on and on. I need to get back to work. But I really need to speak with you. I think it's destiny. Also, I have a bachelor's degree in sociology. I was in the honors in college. I studied abroad at Cambridge for a summer. I have goals. I am hardworking, but I have little relationship with my family after the passing of my mother. And my dad has Agent Orange from Vietnam and is old as shit. The woman I work for was the former director of the honors college. Uh, I am a vegan. I love nature. Uh, I feel... Like any female who feels connected to Lilith might, I have to save bugs, I meditate, I don't do crazy drugs or drink, but on occasion. I have also been a sex worker and faced the current disparaging state of femininity, femininity head on in my life. Women need talk and men need women. Life needs healthy males and females coexisting happily. Please respond. 
Um, and then she says some more personal information about, like, the meaning of her name, which we're going to bleep that out. Um, but, yeah, it's really sad to hear that. Um, and that, that's kind of strange that we drove by that, and she says she's a sex worker. Not that that's so, the same as sex trafficking, I realize that now, but still, it's very, it's very <laughs> related. Uh, I'm still, I'm still thinking about being paralyzed when they're pulled out from birth. Is she no longer paralyzed? That's a good question. She doesn't, uh, doesn't say anything about that. Well, well I'm, uh, I'm curious to hear how this unfolds. Um. What are your thoughts, Tara? Uh, well, <clears throat> I think that I don't, I don't really know what to think about her whole story of the, um, of her whole, her personal story and, and the military and everything. Um, but I, 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 I feel the sense that, um, of the needing the feminine to come through that she's talking about, tack. Um, and I think, I feel like that's just, a um, or I, f I feel like that's a, an overall archetype for the feminine. It, yeah. I mean, every everything she says resonates with me. Uh, but I just wanted to, I think it's also important to point out that when we were, um, after we were at the, the Barrens that day and the message came through, then, and the rains came down, then that's when we went over to Zach's house and had the conversation about the land. And so it was kind of blending of the masculine and feminine through the conversation about the land and and <clears throat> coming through you guys as males um and well and, and Zach is somebody who's like in a sense extremely familiar with the feminine energy of mother earth like knowing all he knows about like the land and the history of the land and the plants and the trees and the fruits and everything. Like. And he brought up the petroglyphs. Right, right. And which, which Tara... Uh, I was just... I brought I brought along a book... Um, on our trip. On our trip to... Um, Gnome Countryside. Gnome Countryside, yeah. And... Um, and when we, when we were there, the first night we were there, or the, the first morning, I had it outside my backpack, and the, um, there was a little autistic boy staying at the, the house, too. And he came upstairs, and he saw the book, and he kept calling out, petroglyphs, petroglyphs, petroglyphs. And, um, and, then, and then so we went to... And then we went to Zach's, and he talked about the petroglyphs, and then it, the petroglyphs came up again when we were at Dale's house. He mentioned it briefly. And now, um, so I, I didn't get very far into the book except for the, the first chapter, which is 
called access to the divine feminine, and, um, they say, um, can I read a little bit of it? Yeah. Go, go ahead. The petroglyphs, so this is about Mu, and Mu is, uh, apparently the motherland of human civilization, um, the petroglyphs of Mu is her study of the symbols she found there, the author, which she believes were the language of the great goddess, who is also Tak. Um, long ago... Have you, ever, have you ever heard the name Tak before? I, I thought that I had, um, but that could be... I could be misremembering that, but I thought someone had mentioned it to Mark before in the past, gotcha. but, but no, I've, I've never heard about it outside of this. And I I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it. But when, when she said that it, that God is dog backwards and tack is cat backwards. I think, Oh, that that's good. Yeah. I like that, that, that like pulled me in. I'm like, okay, I'll listen a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, go with what you're reading. That makes sense. Um, okay. And then, Long ago, the people of Pompeii revered the goddess in the land, and many still do today. Her book makes me wonder whether Mu emerged soon after the... Uh, well... You mean Pompeii in the South Pacific, not Pompeii in, like, Yeah, in Greece. the South Pacific. Right, it's Pompeii in Greece yeah. or Italy? I thought it was Italy. 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 Yeah, Italy. I'm thinking Vesuvius. Go ahead. Tim. Right. Um. Yeah. Well, okay. So, Gooch wrote about the reverence for the great goddess that the Neanderthals displayed at their lunar-based sacred sites. Gooch says the Neanderthal legacy was the mother civilization that worshipped the Pleiades and Orion. Um, and then she talks about, In Awakening the Planetary Mind, I describe a syndrome that alienates us from Earth, which I call catastrophobia. This paralytic fear embedded in the human mind 12,000 years ago nearly terminated human life on Earth. I think the memory of what happened to Earth only 12,000 years ago is lurking in our minds like a time bomb that will explode if we don't face and process it. Recovering the memory of the motherland moo seems to ease our unprocessed inner fear, um, which I think that connects to what um, Caitlin was saying, or... Were you just Talk reading from saying, is it Barbara Hand Cloud? Is that who, who mm. whose words you were reading? Yeah, she wrote the the forward to this actually. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. all right. So I recognized her language. <laughs> um, well, two points for me, right? That's a pretty good call. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah. geez, Mike. <laughs> I wonder, maybe we can get her on the podcast if if she's still. That would be. That would be a big, that would be a big, a big, that would be a really good one to have, a good person to have on. Yeah, well, the publisher sent us this book, so I know it's not quite the author, but uh, yeah, I'll ask him. That'd be a great, 
That'd be a great get. So is there anybody oh. else that, or is there any other paragraphs that stood out and connect? Because I'm assuming you're trying to relate this to like the Susquehanna petroglyphs and what Zach told us about, like the story of the the four races and how three races arrived to the Susquehanna petroglyphs and only uh, the white race didn't show up, but four races were supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, there was something else she mentioned about it being a, a like, language, and I'm not seeing, oh, oh yeah, the language of the great goddess, I already read that. So, um, yeah, I think the, the petroglyphs, uh, and, uh, the... Kind of like words can kind of be like petroglyphs in a way too, I guess. Maybe that's a stretch. But talk being a petroglyph kind of thing. And it being an invitation for women to share their wisdom, I guess. Oh, and I wanted to... Well, the reason I brought that up too was because of it connecting to the Pleiades. And I heard the Pleiades are, um, the Pleiades and Sirius are two of the, the, the races that seeded Earth, life on Earth. And so I think that also reflects the masculine and feminine communication, uh, challenge or your thoughts Mike <laughs> um I uh I'm 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 interested to see how I said this I think a little bit earlier like how this unfolds and what I mean by that is uh there's certain things in this conversation which pulls me in. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, uh, but I'm not certain where it's going or what it's about. Like, I mean, this isn't exactly, um, channeled cat material isn't like my forte. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what, that's what I think it's so much fun about this is like, but at the same time, like, you know, I see, I see how all this is, is kind of at least dovetailed. So I'm like, all right, let's see what, let's see what happens. Well, let me ask you this. Were there any cats when you stayed in Baltimore? Uh, yeah, yeah, there was, hmm. there was, Interesting. uh, I call it, I call it a bear cat. Uh, hmm. um, there's this, this, this cat, <laughs> um, every morning, every morning, put out bird feed on the handrails of the decking and the birds would come and that was one of my favorite things of staying there was just the up close and personal um, interaction with all the different birds and this this bear cat bear cat was like a street hood cat like <laughs> like it's different than like a feral barn cat but they're more similar and it was just like a, it, it looked like a like a, a cat that lives on the streets and it used to stalk birds but it also looked like a friggin bear it's basically called bear cat 
they got I think I and and so that was the only sort of interaction when I was in Baltimore. Like you know, I'm accustomed to being around animals a lot, like like animals you can touch and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that was the closest the closest I had to like a like a a, a mammal, a, a cuddly furry animal. Of course, I never touched bear cat, but but there was that. And along those lines, I went back to Zach's house yesterday, and while there, um, uh, there was a litter of puppies. Oh, they were just four. Yeah. So so there's that. I'm gonna see if I can send you a picture of the bear cat because I think I did get one picture and I could. Well, it I asked because I know for a fact that there were cats at. Where you were staying in Millersville, there are cats at Gnome Countryside, and there are cats. There's a cat at Baltimore. So, and I think that the feline energy is just inherently psychic. You know, I mean, it's it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's like what happened on the porch. Tara was channeling, and the cat was keenly aware, uh, maybe seeing some kind of like out of sight light that are is outside of our eyes spectrum but right yeah it's interesting you said that the um your friend said the king and the queen seat not to change subjects too quickly but we could i do have a question about zach shout out to zach if he's listening hi thanks for being on the show <laughs> um but the king and the queen seat you said that the the train company took some kind of credit about uh about that that's what Paul told me. Paul yeah. said that. That so the in my looking at it, like it looks like to me the the whole sort of complex climbing up from where the where the Deer Creek is up to the top of where the where the rock outcropping is. There are quite a few. What look like to me. Um, megalithic structures and indications that this was probably like you know uh quite a quite a um significant location to some people who lived here some time ago um i mean it's just it 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 has so many touches that look like it's been man uh not man-made, but man-laid. Let's say. Well, and this and, has been. And let me finish this, and then, right. and then, and then I'll hear you. And that is written off as well. The railroad did that. Uh, the people who were laying the railroad. No, no, this isn't from millions of years ago. This is like the railroad folks. They, they they did this for for your chagrin. Now, whether or not that's true or not, I don't know, but it doesn't make sense to me. Well, I found because uh, you said earlier you could, if you're at a computer, which I am, you could look it up. So I found some pictures of what looks like uh, like a cliff of some sort, uh, with like a sort of snake head coming out of it. We'll say maybe. Um, All right. But anyways, this might not be the right spot because you know the internet could be tricky but i did find a sign a picture of a sign and it says maryland department of natural resources it's a red sign with white lettering and it says king and queen seat the king and queen seat to your right is a natural 190 foot rock outcrop that overlooks deer creek valley the cliff towers directly above deer creek and affords a spectacular view of the rolling hills and farmland 
of Harford County. During the 17th century, the Susquehannock Native Americans who lived in these settlements, in the three settlements along Deer Creek, used the king and the queen's seat at the rocks as the site of ceremonial gatherings. Bald Eagle, chief ruler of the tribes, and his wife took their place on the king and the queen's seat, and the braves gathered on the rocks and ground below to listen to orators. According to legend, Bald Eagle and his wife occupied these seats as they witnessed the marriage of their son, Bird That Flies High, and the beautiful Iroquois maiden, Fern Shaken by the Wind. In recent times, the king and the queen's seat was the filming site of the popular family movie, Tuck Everlasting, directed by Jay Russell in 2002. So I don't know, maybe you didn't see this sign, or or maybe this is some sort of revisionist history, because um, it is interesting that they say Chief Bald Eagle. Uh, it seems a little, like, cliche, but hey, it could be true. Uh, well, I would... I would... I would think that that would make sense. Yeah. This would be a place that um, three, I guess, that would be what, like three hundred some years ago that that there would be that that was one of the Baltimore. Like when you go and you look at the history, which we're told of the Susquehannocks, like once they uh, their domination began to fall in the late sixteen hundreds and so forth. Um, they were offered uh, protection from the Maryland colony, and in in um, exchange for that protection, they they were responsible for like building some of the uh, I guess what would be the colony infrastructure back then. So I wonder where the history which you just read falls into that timeline. Because Hartford County is kind of like in between Baltimore and where we are um, in the lower, like on, on the lower Susquehanna Valley, mm. yeah, which was the, which was the, uh, uh, like the, the headquarters, if you will, of the Susquehanna, like right in Washington Borough, like right where we, where we do all of the right to the 40th parallel um, tours. Well, check this out. The The movie that I just read that uh, was filmed at the King and the Queen seat is an American children's novel about immortality. And didn't I mention yeah. something about the immortality tea that, uh, <laughs> that Dr. Bear Lando grows that same, uh, that same week? Well, if, I, if, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I think the movie is, is about, like, a... a a uh, a fountain of youth. Mm. Well, I'm like, just reading off the Wikipedia, which is right. the first sentence. But okay, so it's about a fountain of youth. Does this take? Well, which is well, that's immortality, right? Yeah. You know, which I'm saying the same thing. I'm just giving you more detail. Mm. Um, and so what it was suggesting is like that area, like the the water. There's something, you know, quote unquote. There's something in the water there. <laughs> All right. Look at that. Tuck Everlasting. Tuck Everlasting. Huh. Yeah, and we... I've never seen it. Well, we hear about the Fountain of Youth being, like, down there in, in Florida, right? Uh, Ponce de Leon. But, uh... I've, I've always just assumed that there are multiple. Like, I mean, the idea mm-hmm. that there's one, like, to me, is a foolish thing. 
I don't think that's how, if such a thing exists, which I think it would, it would not be found in just like one place on earth that goes against this kind of, I would think the, the way I understand the realm is laid out, but that would be like maybe one of the places. I would think there'd be places like that all over here. Right. Well, shoot, Mike. I think that was a, a good recap. Did we miss anything? I mean, we went out to the crossroads. We saw a bunch of interesting Amish buggies. Are you at the crossroads right now? I thought I heard a, a buggy drive by earlier. Well, I'm on. Uh, I'm just on the where where I parked the cars. Mm, right, I just right. cleaned up my spot, and then I'm probably once we wrap this up, I'll probably walk on out to the crossroads and hang out there for a little bit and see what sort of interesting things um, I can think. Yeah, it was a great spot to view the stars, and like we were saying on the phone on our way back, right before we got to uh, our little section of Connecticut, as we were driving down the Merritt Parkway, we saw the moon rise, and it was like this deep purple, magenta, red color that I'd never seen the moon before. Uh, You know, we saw it for just a glimpse, but yeah, that was our uh, return home, and yeah, quite a trip. We really appreciate it, especially the books. I mean, geez, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity <laughs> to to have that. So for me to get mind. rid to get rid of all my books, and you got to go. I kept some of them, but but I gave you some good ones. Yeah, well, I just I mean so. you know the the peculiarity of both of our interests matching up in that way. Usually, when people are letting go of a bunch of books, you kind of got to dig through. But you, I mean, it was all gems. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, there were some good books in there. Right on. All right. Well, this was a good conversation. It was nice to to reconnect, and I look forward to the next time we all get to sit down. Indeed, yeah, in person and on the podcast. And thanks to uh, all the really kind folks who have been listening and supported our journey. I hope you appreciate and enjoy the podcast we recorded in person. I think I'm going to use the first part of that, you know, what we recorded on the porch there for the first part of this episode. Um, And then, yeah. Looking forward to recording with you again in person. So, folks, be on the lookout. We got that scene, edition one, uh, ready for people to download, PDF version. So I'll put a link to that in the uh, episode description, and I'll send you uh, a copy, Mike. I'd love for you to review it and tell me what you think. Perfect. I would love to do so. Right on. All right. 